Welcome everybody to Bar Talk, episode 19, live from Relief and Resource Co. I am your host, John Foley, coming to you, as always, from Fenton, Michigan. We've got Mark Miller. Yeah. Courtney Booms. Hello. And we're going to do a follow-up to an episode we did a while back on Highlands Malls. But now we're going to tackle Isla Single Malts and Isla Malt Whiskey in general, uh, second in our Scotch series, focusing on the whiskey specifically from the Isla region. The Smoky Boys. Yeah. yeah. Big Smoky Boys. Yeah. And uh, this is a this is interesting because it's a, a style of whiskey popular the world over, but also still seen as a niche whiskey for a lot yeah. of people. And it'll be interesting to kind of talk about it and talk mm-hmm. about why we like it because we all do. Mm-hmm. Why other people don't because they're wrong. And it's okay to be wrong. <laughs> it is. You know, in this day and age, there's a lot of wrong people. Mm-hmm. But, you know, hopefully Scotch can more often than not bring people together. Scotch will bridge the gap. This yeah, episode will be a divide, you know, will we'll bring us all together. Yeah. 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 I think that's true. So uh, worth mentioning, of course, that we're sponsored and produced by iLogic Media. Please check out all of their other content on iLogic Media, Spotify, YouTube, etc. They have a couple new shows, I think, yeah. too. Yeah, or yeah. about to be new shows. Bitches yeah. and Brews, yeah. I think they announced one, which yeah. is going to focus on women in the uh, in the beverage industry, well, the uh-huh. beer industry. And yeah. I think, um, I know he's got a contact with the, the lady whose name I forgot, um, who wrote the book. Uh, a Woman's Places in the Brew House, which oh, is nice. supposed to be a great book about the history of, of, yes. of women's role in brewing, which is probably going to be a real yeah. a real good read. Yeah, I haven't read it, but it, it looks to be an interesting read for sure. Yeah, throw barley wine in your glass. And yeah. Set, yeah. set your feet up. Yeah. Put that in your brain. <laughs> okay. So, Courtney. Hey, what's up? We're turning it over to you because you've got the immaculate amount of research oh, on uh, – a little too much research. Seven pages. Seven pages, which is a lot, but <laughs> yeah. it's going to be good. And we're going to taste through some, some good stuff and tackle why, how this whiskey is made, and what how it results in the, the most unique and specific style of whiskey in the world. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Ridiculously new, uh, unique, excuse me. And you had already mentioned like everybody basically knows about Isla Scotch, whether they enjoy it or not, just because of its kind of super uh, robust, very obvious, uh, obviously unique structure. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think that this is what <laughs> all scotch tastes like. Right, yeah, a common misconception. And yet yeah. um, they would have been right at one point in time, but um, aren't today. So. Those were the days. <laughs> uh, if I can, I'm going to give a brief recap of scotch whiskey, because we did cover a lot of it in episode eight, as far as like how it got developed over time. So That was 11 episodes ago. That was 11 episodes it ago. It feels really like a lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm proud of us. All right, so uh, scotch originates with the development of the early grain spirit called aquavitae, which we mentioned before. Mm-hmm. Um, this would have been developed by monks using distillation techniques taken from the Middle East around 600 AD, and it forms its way to a more distinct barley-based spirit called um, uskebaha or uskebetha uh, around the 1400s. It would be 1494 that the first recorded year of scotch uh, production was happening in Scotland. I think a fantastic takeaway from that is that it's okay if you're a monk and you're a little bit bored. Like you can be <laughs> super dedicated, oh serving God, but there's a lot. There's going to be some time in the day. But there's and a lot of grain. Gonna, you're going to dick around with the grain a little bit, and it's yeah. getting a little fermenty, and it yep. smells interesting. And you don't waste. Give it a taste. Yeah. yeah. The monks like to drink. If we've learned anything from doing this mm. podcast, it's that monks 
Why do you think they serve wine at every Catholic uh, mass? Very true. You know? Very true. That, that's just my opinion. I don't know that to be true, <laughs> but I was Catholic once. So, um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I was too in the dark time. Yes. Then we drank wine. Yeah. All right. Uh, over time, whiskey becomes more refined, right? They start to produce uh, outside of monastic distilleries, and it becomes a daily uh, ingratiated part of Scottish life. Um, so the government starts taking note. They start collecting taxes on the spirit. That's when you start having illicit production of, ta of uh, excuse me, scotch, even so far as having it being hidden under pulpits. Um, and taxing starts when? Taxing starts uh, almost 100 years later, so around 1600. Sticking it to the man. Yeah. Sticking it to the man. Yeah. And uh, taxmen were often referred to as gougers by the public. Mm, public that's a good one. Public discontent tax with taxmen. Yeah, yep. gougers is fun. You might remember the story about the ladies of Cardiff from our Women in Whiskey episode, which would have been episode five. Uh, and I'll How say, do you remember this? I looked it up. <laughs> she did the research for this episode. It's in my notes. Yeah. I don't remember it off the top of my head. She's supposed on. to remember this. Stuff. <laughs> this is really the brain. That's all awesome. Like, oh, wow, really? So I'll say one quick fun fact about tax collectors. Uh, Scotland's Nothing's bard. fun about tax no, collectors. No. Scotland's bard, Robert Burns, was a tax collector before he became a famous poet. And he wrote a, a poem about Scotch whiskey just called Scotch Drink. And it talks about the true nature of Scotch bringing together, people together very joyful happiness uh your occasions when you drink scotch yeah i thought that was fun yeah scotch i, I like i said i love it because it does bring people together or if you're me it'll sometimes make you cry if you yeah, drink too much. yeah <laughs> so. well i've been there for that yeah <laughs> multiple times it'll I bring you together with all the people that you drink scotch with <laughs> taking you away from all the people you don't drink scotch with until you're only friends with the people you drink scotch with <laughs> so don't go that that far to scotch drink <laughs> Scotch for two, the lonely tunnel. That's a movie. No, but we're Poem. gonna. Yeah, I'm gonna write it tomorrow. I like it. So, uh, besides that fun little fact, um, we'll say that Scotch was basically made almost in the same style as Irish whiskey for a very long time, uh, except that they used peats for their kilns, so to dry them, uh, to dry the barley. Excuse me. They would burn only the gentlemen named Pete in yes. the area. <laughs> All yes. dudes named Peter mm -hmm. run. That's why you'll never find a Scotsman um, named Peter or anymore. We'll get further into what Pete is, but. Um, it changes um, from the style of production from pot still to column still um, or column style of still in 1831 when Aeneas Coffee develops the patent still. So it just makes it, uh, it goes a lot faster. It's continuous distillation, so you don't actually have to stop and reset, so to speak. Um, and then you can also start to incorporate other grains so it wouldn't just be barley. Uh, after some time, you start to mix in other malted uh, and unmalted grains, wheat, um, even like millet and stuff like that would be added to it to create like a more rounded sense of the scotch. And that made it uh, an easier sell to the world market. But this essentially is the beginning of what, uh, and this is a, a, like a schism, like a scotch and Irish schism. In yeah. terms of, like this moment kind of extrapolates out and creates the two styles, even in terms of how they taste. Precisely. Because um, that still was offered to the Irish first. They're like, no. Nah. We don't want yeah, it, they right? liked the tradition. Right. They wanted to keep the style. They and thought the Scots were like, well, we can make a whole lot more of it, whiskey. right? Now, yeah. so we're going to take that and do it. Yes. And you can be a regional spirit now, and we're going to be an international spirit. Basically, yeah. Because yeah. like, it'd be Doors and Chavas would be the first two kind of major Scotch production companies that would get a world market because of their connections elsewhere as well. Mm -hmm. But also because their distilleries took on the coffee still, and that made it Pumping so it out. quick and so yeah. common for them to just be having Pumping it out. Yeah. And if um, I'm sure you get into this at some point, but ports obviously play a massive port role in this. Casting. No, no, no. I mean like port, like boats. Oh, like, ports because all of these are, yes. a lot of these are all uh, 
situated around areas where you can easily get it out. Well, specifically Isla, yes. Yeah. But the most common, um, the largest port was uh, Campbellton, which was the peninsula in Scotland mm. that not only had rail systems, but also had uh, boat access. So those, that kind of combination um, really, really buffs out uh, Scotch production. I should say too, so I said coal and, uh, or I said rail systems and ports are a big deal, but coal and using Coke to heat uh, the whiskey as well as peat. So peat for flavor. And then you start using coal and its byproduct Coke to evenly distribute the heat in the, in the uh, drying process. And so you can produce uh, malted grain faster as well. Yes. Mm -hmm. Did we Fraction. discuss previously for people who may not know what a malted grain actually is? Have we talked about that before? Oh, a while ago. Yeah, I think we okay. have. But, Just um, making sure. <laughs> generally speaking, malted grain is grain that's been like bloomed almost. So you give it wet conditions first so that the uh, the grain itself starts to sprout. Partial germination. Partial yeah. germination. Yeah. Then as soon as it starts sprouting, you give it all that heat and then it stops, it like cooks yeah. it. So it stops what it's doing. It's, it's grain edging. Yeah. 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 Basically. Like, oh. yeah. <laughs> that is lovely. Not the reference Elegant I thought you were about to, to use, but, uh, Yeah, it works. Yeah, yeah, basically, basically when you malt a grain, you're releasing some of those sugars so those sugars can be distilled, right? Yeah. 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 yeah go, go, go. Stop. <laughs> Stop. No, 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 grain no. No, 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 no. You're not ready yet. <laughs> we are now an R-rated <laughs> podcast. Although hey. I feel like we've always been. Anyhow. We're talking about spirits. you got to be at least yeah. 21, 18 Come in some on. countries. Yeah. <laughs> not that I think we're reaching like Canada already. Maybe. Did you say we're giving a reach around to Canada? Yeah. Okay, cool. We're Michigan. <laughs> hey. hey! Well, those only you. listening have just got the mitten on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> High five. All right. So uh, that's kind of a short history of the production of scotch. And then um, we did talk about the regions uh, super well in the last one in the Highlands episode. But since uh, we're all here, and uh, perhaps Sean Cole can throw up that same map from before, um, you're going to be looking at the British Islands. You've got, well, I had to do a quick mental. So you've got the UK on this side, and you've got Ireland on this side, Ireland and Northern Ireland. Um, Scotland's going to take up the first third, basically, of the UK side, um, northernmost to almost midway. And then you've got England here and then Wales to the side. And then in uh, Scotland, you've got the Highlands, takes up the most most of the northern part of the landmass. Speyside is within it. It forms like a little triangle almost midway. Um, then you've got the islands, which will kind of ridge the edge of Scotland. Isla is a specific island within that region. It's close to Campbellton, which is the lower western peninsula of Scotland. And then you've got the lowlands, which would make up the rest of the landmass that um, borders England, basically. Yeah, so all of the islands are like on the, basically the south to southwestern side of Mainly, Scotland, but you right? do have some northern, like the Hebrides and True. stuff. Um, or not, Orkney as well. Or Orkney mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. Very northern. Scotland has about 800 coastal islands and only like it's too many only like 12 of them are populated <laughs> so they got to trade some of those other ones guys let's no, go claim our own scottish islands. yeah let's do it and produce our whiskey on it we'll put a bar on it yes sir <laughs> <laughs> that'll be it yeah a bar and a distillery you and have nothing to fly else via helicopter to get there yeah it's pretty exclusive yeah all right jetpack actually not helicopter oh jet right yes yeah. time the time is now we are in yes. the future yes yeah yes. all right <laughs> But if you're not jetpacking to our secret island, you might go to Isla. So um, it is pronounced Isla, uh, which yes. we did mention briefly before. I-S-L-A-Y, Isla. Yeah. And then uh, it carries a lot of heavy hitter distilleries, but um, some of the biggest names are Ardbeg, Lagavulin, and Lafroig. Yeah. And if, you, if you come into a bar and say, you know, you like scotch and 
you've had some Islay whiskeys and you're not sure which ones you like. Just if somebody corrects you, just roll with it. Yeah. Now, you know, don't yeah. feel bad because this stuff's pretty hard to pronounce if you haven't gotten into it. And I think more often than not, people who really know about scotch and know about whiskey, like we want you to try to enjoy it. So we're not going to laugh at you. Yeah. The first time. Too bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As a fun aside, I had a guy in here a couple of weeks ago who was swearing up and down that it was pronounced Islay because he had a Scotsman tell him it was pronounced Islay. And my response was, that guy is not from Scotland. Or <laughs> yeah. he's trolling Or he's fucking with yeah. 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 yeah, exactly. Yeah. Very obvious. <laughs> no, mate, just say it. No, that's, they'll correct you, but that's the real way. That's how we say it over there. <laughs> yeah. Just say it. Just do it. <laughs> no. no, so it is Isla. It's Isla, yeah. yeah. But basically, a lot of people do think of it as like rowdy, in-your-face smoke with big body and like a lingering peat that you like burp up the next day. But not all Isla's like that. That's kind of the the ones that you And sometimes you burp it up maybe. right away. Yeah, that's Like true. right after you drink it. Or yeah. sometimes, if you're like me, the yeah, next day when up. you're in a really hot shower, you just reek of peat smoke. <laughs> and you're like, why did I make these decisions in my life? Um, yeah. It's a fun time. whenever I make myself curry. Oh. oh. Yeah. And then, you have, and then my you shower smells like curry spices. It's awesome. <laughs> that's hot. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's important. I just want to stop and like, like do this for a second right now because I'm going to hit it later, right? <laughs> yeah. like, we're going to start talking about these and we're going to mention smoke in like in every one of them. But it's lovely. Smoke in whiskey can be a balanced and elegant flavor too. Oh yes, right. So it's about your your palate expectations and this is this gets into the weird subjectivity of how you taste things and what you brought to uh any plate of food or any beverage that you drink so we all have associative stuff in our in our in our palate memory in our olfactory memory based on everything else that we that we have had up to that point right so that tastes harsh because especially as Americans, we don't ever like eat or drink anything like that. We don't so it's really, of, really yeah. hard to get over it. And it will always, always, so always taste harsh. But if you start eating and, and drinking these things like curry yeah. or like blue cheese or like, like you know, sipping scotch. on peated scotch, it will eventually become a flavor that you're used to. And then you can see how it's integrated and how it develops yeah. with, in terms of balance yeah, absolutely. Uh, in the beverage. And I think that's a big, like, maybe the single biggest hurdle for getting into scotch, I think, for the American drinker. Especially if you want to start dipping your toe into Isla almost yes. as a first kind of introductory scotch. Yeah. Especially then. Yeah. And like, <clears throat> and, and I think bourbon creates that that hurdle. Like bourbon yeah. makes that hurdle even worse. Yeah. Because, okay, I've been drinking, I, I you know, I, I know I love whiskey. I've been drinking bourbon for four years. I really, really love it, but I just I just can't get into scotch. It's because you've been wrapping your palate in corn sugar and freshly charred that oak sweetness, barrel yeah. sweetness. This runs completely contrary yeah, to that. I was yeah, just to add into it shortly, it's, to me, a bourbon drinker has a sweet palate, and oh a scotch God, yes. drinker has a savory palate. Usually. Sure. You can get yeah. sweetness from yeah. scotch, but like the cereal grain and some of the things that happen when you're using malted barley instead of corn does mm-hmm. give you more of that like savory taste, at least yeah. in, in my mind. I definitely have a more savory palate. I will slap a Belgian waffle out of out of, uh, out of your hand. Child's your hand. hand. Oh, I got a child's hand, <laughs> a sweet child's hand. Get that out of my face. I want me some eggs. Where are my sausages? Yeah. 
Well, and another cool thing too, talking about um, the smoke that is inherent in Isla scotches yeah. is that once you kind of get your palate acclimated to it, you'll start noticing that even though they are all smoky, there's different kind of like intricacies in the flavor of the yeah. smoke too. Like cream and apple. And yeah, yeah, things. yeah. Or, or for example, like, you know, like Ardbeg and Laphroaig are kind of a more like medicinal kind of smoke, whereas like Lagavulin right. is very like rich and like almost campfire. campfire yeah. Yeah. Smoke yeah. Too. yeah. So, and like different levels of salinity and brininess to them as well. Yeah. 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 So that's a good segue to talk about peat, what peat <coughs> is and how it influences Isla Scotch. So um, peat is defined as a semi-decomposed carbonized plant material. It's also known as turf. Uh, and it's most rarely, it's the most readily accessible fuel source in all of Scotland, including so much on Isla that it should last them into the next um, millennia. Just keep digging it out of the ground and yeah. setting it on fire and you'll never freeze. <laughs> so basically, um, you'll smell so good. Very, very delicious. Very smoky, yeah. but also so good. Um, it's the accumulation of water in boglands that slows down the decomposition of the natural organic material. So it's things like moss tree roots, dead grasses, stuff. dead stuff. Dead stuff. Yeah, yeah, we've heard of maybe the Irish bog bodies or other bog bodies. In the yeah, UK bog bodies are cool. The preservation of it. Yeah, yeah these guys, they, they just keeled over and died or were killed and then <laughs> went right into bog turf. Yeah, yeah. and then they stayed there. Yeah. Like, and then eventually the somebody hit yeah. the bog. Yeah, <laughs> and people find them later and it's like, oh, that guy's still mostly a guy. <laughs> I can Let's still see all of it. I can no, still all of this. No, I don't think there are any bog bodies in the peat that they use in distillation process. You could prove me wrong, distilleries, if you want, but I feel like you might get arrested. Who knows? That's gonna be our thing. That'll be our niche when we get oh, the island. We only the smoke our whiskey with bog, bog bodies. bodies. Bog yeah. bodies. Yes. Yep. Yep. That's so yeah, metal. The brand that makes hard itself. That's so metal. <laughs> bog so, bodies, one hundred and twenty-seven proof. Yeah. 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 That's yep. the number. I think so. Why not? Yeah. If you add it up, it makes 10. So it's a good luck number. Hey, mm. okay. All yeah. right. All right. Mm. So uh, this readily available peat, just to swing us back into the conversation uh, that we had before, uh, would would warm the hearth and home, but it would also use uh, be used in the kilns to dry all these um, barleys for all these different distilleries. Um, so when peat is burned, especially, it produces a super fragrant, very earthy smoke, um, sometimes medicinal. So that's something that Mark had said about Laphroaig and, and uh, Ardbeg in particular. And um, what's happening is phenols are being released from the smoke and they're incorporating themselves into the actual grain of the barley itself. Uh, bring forth, brings forth flavors like tar and iodine and smoke and campfire smoke as well. And to know how much peatiness has been imbued into your scotch of choice, distillers and scientists use a measure of uh, phenol, parts per million, or ppm. Um, they use a device similar to a mass spectrometer, and they can actually um, test the molecular quantities of those phenols in the malt itself. They actually don't use the same process for post-distillation or even while it's in the mash bill. So you're only getting the ppm of the grain before Jerry. Before the process. Before the process. And then so during the process, you can lose more of what than what you had measured, but you're getting an average, like so it's a very generalized reading. Well, and if you do it with enough whiskey, yeah. We start to see the trends and we start to know what number equates to like what's gonna taste exactly. like. Exactly, which have yeah. lower numbers and which have higher numbers. Uh, apparently Lafroig and Lagavulin are meant to have a fairly similar level mm -hmm. of phenol parts per million, and yet when you taste them, I consider Lafroig to be a much more robust smokiness and Lagavulin's to be a little bit more refined. And that has to do with what happens with those grains afterwards, really. Yeah, and Lagavulin's a maltier, richer yeah. base, too. Yeah, Lagavulin is sure. lighter and more, uh, is lighter and more, more silky. I think um, the best analog I have for it in, in beverage 
is uh, IBUs yeah. for beer. Yeah, bitterness unit. Yeah, yeah, the measurement of, of hoppiness, for better or worse, and bitterness in beer. So you'll have beers that have extremely low negligible amounts of, of IBUs, like Belgians. Um, and then you'll have IPAs that are extremely high. And after doubles us, or nepos. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And you will have this kind of threshold for what you can actually taste mm -hmm. on your palate. And afterwards, mm -hmm. it's just huge. Yeah, they say yeah. that you can't read anything between like about 10 and lower PPMs. Mm -hmm. A good a majority of scotches are sitting around, I'm going to double check with my notes here, around 20 PPM or so. Um, and that's just anything. Yeah, Brew Laddie has some really high ones. So they have like 167, I think, is that their Port Isla um, Scottish Barley. Heavily Port, Charlotte. Peated. Port Charlotte. Port yeah. Charlotte, excuse me. Port Charlotte. Isle of Barley, heavily peated. Boom, mm -hmm. got it. Mm -hmm. um, but then you can they can get the other end of the scale completely. So with like Octomore, they can go over. Their their peatiest one has been over 300. Which at the, that point, it just tastes smoky as hell. It's very blown out your palate with right. nothing but peat probably. It would be very difficult, I think, for most people to differentiate between 200, 250, and 300 yeah. PPMs. And then the last note about peats that I peat <laughs> smoking peats. that I peats. Peats. <laughs> All the beats um, is that uh, basically um, Isla, the more remote parts of the highlands, and then like a lot of the islands, Orkney and stuff, for instance, they kept peat smoking, even though the rail systems and all that came out because they were still so heavily isolated, but because they also preferred the tradition of using peat smoke. Mm -hmm. And that's why you'll start to see highlands the old and, ways. Yeah. Yeah, in the space side and even some Campbelltons, they, they can dull that down because they have other sources of heating using coal and coke, like we mentioned before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which will dry the barley, but not impart the flavor. Exactly. And the, and the specific, almost regional character. Right. Yeah. yeah. Mostly it's producing heat. Which is interesting because you will taste this type of smokiness in other whiskeys. It'll usually be more of a hint. Yeah. But it's because, it's not because of the regionality of the whiskey itself. It's because of the regionality of the grain or the process by which the grain is produced. Precisely. The terroir, the if you will. Right. Which, and there's a huge debate as to whether or not terroir is something that you can actually taste in scotch. I am a proponent that you can. I think absolutely, yeah. yeah. And it's central to my argument as to why I enjoy scotch far more than bourbon. And we'll get into that a little bit later, too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah other, other distilleries use peat, too, without even having to be in Scotland. So you've got Irish Connemara is peated. Yeah. You can find it in Japanese, um, Indian, and New Zealand scotches. See some of the stuff blended well. into American whiskeys like High, High West Campfire? Exactly. Yeah. 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 It's Even that, that that one, uh, what is it, Pandaren? Pandaren Celt yeah. has a little bit of kind of like peace. And if you're if you're looking for a local peace. reference, uh, um, uh, Johnny Smoking Gun. Oh yeah, which is made in Detroit. Yep. Which mm -hmm. was designed to go with uh, with ramen. You're gonna say something. Before? Yeah, Pandaren Celt is aged in Laphroaig barrels, so oh, their so that's where it's make is from. not actually peated, Got but it. they do use a peated barrel, and so you get the flavor there. Okay. <laughs> Fun facts. Learn something new every day. <laughs> this is where the little thing goes over and the banner and says, fun facts. <laughs> okay, um, so we can start getting into the history of popular Isla distillers, if you like, or if you want to talk about Port Ellen, or you want to bring that up. Well, let's talk in about bit. Port Ellen right away, though, because that's where some of the small still coming from, a right? A lot of So big, big Port Ellen, Port Ellen yeah. hasn't been open as a distillery for decades. Mm -hmm. It used to be one of the, one of the biggest producers of peated single malt scotch yes and absolutely um one of the finest 
small pours of, of whiskey I've ever had in my life was a Port Ellen from 1979, aged 24 years. Thank you, James Hallman, for, for dropping that off before you moved up to Traverse City all those years ago. I shared a little bit with you. Yes, we did. Um, that stuff was so good, I wanted to fight everybody in the room on the <laughs> off chance that somebody had another dram in their pocket or knew somebody who did so that they could say, like, stop hitting me. I'll tell you where more is. Even though that would be an extremely Are you a Bond villain a big, scenario? long shot. Uh, yeah, Bond villain general the yeah try, the tom hardy and lawless i don't know like something i was i just wanted more of it immediately and i knew i would be have a hard time getting more yeah but it was what's great the, what's the family of uh like drunks from it's always sunny what are their names do you remember the mcpoils, the McPoyles. yeah it's in the they're McPoyle. drinking milk McPoyle. most of the time well, right <laughs> she's wearing nothing but a, she's got a t-shirt and a unibrow which is like Mute. But they're the kind of people that would do that. Yeah, they would fight someone. Oh, well, see. if you had an army of McFoley's, you could probably get some get some stuff done. Yeah, That's very true. Foley's the other day. We did have mm -hmm. an army of Foley's. Check it out on our Instagram, Relief product. and Resources. Yep. <laughs> Good. We'll get that group together again. <laughs> uh, Port, yeah, are we done Port, talking yeah, about Port, Port Ellen? No. <laughs> okay. It's really important. Okay. Stop goofing around. Greatest malts. Uh, it's it was just one of the greatest malt houses in on all of Isla. So the fact that they broke down. Uh, production is not uncommon because a lot of these distilleries had periods where they were closed, open, closed, open, and yeah, we're lucky to have a lot of them anyway now. Yeah, but you're still you that facility is still producing. Yeah, that's exactly. that was my, the point my is that they they concentrated their best the best thing that they were at, which is producing incredible malt, mm -hmm. and they just kind of said, okay, I can't finance this anymore. We're just going to focus on this, and we're going to send our malt out to others, and they do a fantastic job. But it's coming back. That's true. Uh, Port Ellen Distillery is going to reopen for the first time, I think, in since 1983. Um, so, yeah, that's when they closed, and now we'll reopen. And it's be uh, it's Diageo behind it, so oh. it may take a while for us to actually drink any new Port Ellen whiskey. But the it'll be around because Diageo's got a bunch of money. Well, and I think they're also trying to reopen Brora. Uh, oh, we talked about I've that heard. Yeah. Uh, for the Highlands episode. Yeah, they suggested the new release might be of a 12-year-old expression in 2032. Woo! So hold your horses. Well, that's what I was just about to say to you. Like, it's probably like the minimum the minimum you would be looking at, like age-wise, would be what? Probably like an eight-year if you want something eight, like I really say, lean yeah. and hot. Coming well, they did. The, yeah, they did the announcement in um, in twenty ten or in 20, 2020, Excuse me. So it, yeah, it is going to come out. You know, twelve years from then. Yeah, they have some back stock too, so there may be some. Yeah, fingers some, crossed. Some yeah, well, some larger age statement that we or some yeah non age statement. Excuse me, that we can't afford yeah. and we'll never be able to buy. The point being, though, that this stuff takes time. You know, mm -hmm. you can't just distill it and then throw it in the barrel and no, it's a labor of love. The next day, drink it. You know. Yeah. It takes time. <laughs> Not if you want it to taste like anything. No, right. Yeah. <laughs> anything other than just alcohol burn and heat bodies. Old wood. Yeah. So Port Ellen's a good uh, stopping point just to kind of describe that, you know, that Isla itself has great production and a lot of different distilleries. But even then, they have like more focused great distilleries as well. So uh, the biggest one, I, I did it in alphabetical order. Is that the way we'd like to go? Sure. The biggest one for us, um, I hope you don't mind me speaking for the, two of us, uh, for the three of us, is Ardbeg. Yeah. Ardbeg. 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 It means small height. Small height. Mm -hmm. 
Does this mean we can finally drink some of this stuff? Oh, go on. It's just been sitting in front of us. <laughs> go on with your and my mouth has been watering, and this is a new <laughs> bottle. So that's cool. It is a brand new bottle. So this behemoth in scotch uh, started producing in 1798, um, but it legally was producing uh, starting in 1815 under John McDougall and received its first commercial license at that time. Um, let's see. Was it the 10? Yeah. We're, we're, yeah, we're going to taste. We're, anything that we give you tasting notes is going to be on the 10-year, which is their flagship the most readily available whiskey from Ardbeg. Are you guys ready for it? Ready? Oh, yeah. ready? Pop. Woo. <laughs> so beautiful. Um, yeah, it started by John McDougall. It was bought out uh, by the by Thomas Buchanan in 1838, but the McDougall family continued to run it. So after Buchanan died, John's sisters, Margaret and Flora, took on the distillery, and they were um, Scotland's first registered female distillers at that point. Outstanding. Outstanding. Well done, ladies. We did mm -hmm. mention it a little bit in our episode five, briefly. briefly. Um, today, our bag is owned by the Glen Marini Company, which is in turn owned by uh, Louis Vuitton Moe Hennessy. Um, <laughs> Louis Vuitton Moe Hennessy is, is the is big a company. Conglomerate. Yeah, so it's not just booze, it's, you know, they sell all kinds of yeah. purses, shoes, fashion, fashion. Yeah. Yeah. It's called fashion henny. Yeah, uh -huh. fashion henny. <laughs> like Hennessy. Yeah, exactly. that was a ba -da -ba -ba -da -ba. turbo pun. Yeah. <laughs> so they do have uh, is it five flagships now? Full flagships. If WeBC is meant to stay, it's five. Yeah, which yeah, I think so it is. Yeah. WeBC, yeah. Ten Year, Anol, um, Korobrakin, and Ugad Isle. If yep. I'm pronouncing those correctly, which I believe I am. Um, and yeah, after their first year of ownership um, under Glenmarangi and therefore Louis Vuitton, uh, they won Distillery of the Year in 1998. And then in 2008, they won Jim Murray's World Whiskey of the Year, and then again the following year, and then again after that. Um, I think most of those awards were held by Cora Brecken in particular. Yeah, Cora Brecken and Supernova might have won one. Supernova, yeah. Super release too. Anno has, was placed in the top five of Whiskey Advocate the minute it came out, mm -hmm. uh, Ardbeg regularly posts in the Whiskey Advocates Top 20. Yeah. And it, it's it been a Whiskey of the Year. One of the releases has been a Whiskey of the Year here. Um, three out of the five years since we've opened, at least on some right. list. And a consensus yeah. with NO when yeah. that first opened. Yeah. 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 Pretty much in our eyes in this bar, Ardbeg can do no wrong, really. <laughs> I haven't had, had some a bad releases that. I don't like as more as other releases, but in mm -hmm. in the same breath, I still really, really like them. Yeah. I think yeah. it's the balance for me. I mean, I, I'm obviously uh, somebody who's extremely attracted to what Pete does in whiskey. Yeah. But there's um, there's an exceptional balance with Ardbeg where I get almost whiskey to whiskey, a silkiness on the front palate that kind of that kind of brings into a, a really rich an almost creamy mid palate before giving way to all of that smoke, yeah. and it's yeah. just that 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 elegance and balance in the way that the whiskey is put together that makes it just fantastic. Yeah, the creaminess that you mentioned, I always think of it like butter. Butter, butter? Just, oh, yeah, so buttery. Yeah. yeah, and to get into the bourbon thing again, one of the reasons Scotch is age statements are older is they have to sit in those barrels for longer. They are not newly charred. It does not impart vanilla and caramel and butterscotch and all those baking spices into the whiskey the way that it happens with bourbon. Yeah. These whiskeys take longer and by and large, body-wise, they are leaner. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so it is not as accessible. It doesn't taste like dessert, or at least the desserts that we years. know. Yeah. yeah. So you've got to, if you if you really want to get into it, and if you don't, then great. Who cares? And you can drink a lot of bourbon, and bourbon's great. But if you do want to get into it, I think it requires patience. Absolutely, yeah. Especially if you're doing something like Supernova. Don't they age it in space? Yes. <laughs> yes. That blew my mind it's the Asian first space. time I read that, you guys. Yeah, yeah. It's aged in space. <laughs> that release was 2014, but we have the 2019? 15 or 16. Oh, yeah, no, no. It was 2019 oh, the was the, the re-release. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 14 or 15 was the first one. But you always know, get people to say, you know, think about that, Jefferson's. They put it on a boat. Yeah, do you yeah. know Ardbeg? They put their shit in space. They put it on a boat. That was well, cool. Did you, guys, did you guys see the this what this year's committee release is going to be? The new release they're doing? No, because Scorch was last year, wasn't it? Yeah. I, I, I can't remember the name of it, but I'm pretty sure it has something to do with like wild fermentation. Yeah. Ooh. And the branding's like alien spaceships and shit. It's awesome. Yeah. So that should be interesting to try. Ready for it. Yeah. And these guys are going to do kind of a special release or two a year. They're called committee releases. If you can find them, get them. And then sometimes they go out and they become like a a wider release where more bottles are let go. Oftentimes you will see a difference in proof between a committee release and like the regular regular release of the the special release of the whiskey. For instance, the Scorch that came out last year was a jump from, I think, 105 or 104 all the way down to 92. Mm -hmm. The committee release was very different. Yeah. So get those if you can. Which I think you have to be, you have to like sign up and be a part of like the special committee, right? You can't you just go out and buy it. No, the, you okay. You can be a committee member. Like I'm a committee member. Yeah. And you can go out and sign up and be a committee member and then you can get a chance to buy them online. But stores and taverns, if you sell enough Ardbeg, you'll get committee releases. Gotcha, gotcha. And you'll get like three bottles of it. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Exactly. The, yeah. The standard allocation and the way that it all works, you know. Okay. Cool. Well, I'd say we. Uh, all collectively really love Ardbeg and that the 10 year is an excellent try. I love the way it you is. described it. It's so, so good. Oh, well, I've had enough of it to know. Yeah. 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 It's part of this me was, now. This was the first single malt that made me love single malts. I was really? super That's, weird. Like yeah, coming from you're... not working with spirits before working here, the first time I tasted Ardbeg, I was like, oh, let's go. Yeah. yeah. This is what I want whiskey to taste like. <laughs> so I have to say, I'm a little bit opposite of the scale. I intru- I was introduced to Isla a little bit more gently because my first whiskey was Glenfiddich. Um, because that's what was like commonly available at my house. Uh, but Bowmore is the Isla that convinced me to start liking Isla. Yeah. And so that's the next one. I believe it's next on our list. Yeah. On the list. I can't yeah. remember what it was for me. I mean, I literally was trying to drink scotch as an undergrad by buying like J and B. Or like oh, cutting, yeah, like yeah. I'm gonna, I'll learn how to drink scotch and crack it like so that? smooth. That's the question you don't uh, know. Very little. Yeah. So I think it must have been Lafroy because the bar I worked at in I Kalamazoo, that, that I think that was our only one. Yeah. Like that was the, the, the Isla single malt that we had. Yeah. Yeah, I just had to start off on the on the gentler end of the scale. Bumar is still smoky, don't get me wrong, but it's not nearly as maybe robustly smoky in the 12 year. As Art Beggar Right. So, and again, the analog is, is hoppy beers, right? Like, yeah. cer- certain people love yeah. some hoppy beers because they're balanced by malt and they're just really well integrated, like Two Hearted. Yeah. And then other ones are really front hop loaded and more aggressive, like Humalipalicious from Shorts. Yeah. Those are two IPAs in nearly the same exact ABV, 
both readily available flagship IPAs from different breweries and a really good example of how one brewery does that style and how another one does that style. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. And now, so Bomar is one of the oldest distilleries in Scotland um, and therefore also Isla. Um, it's the oldest recorded licensed distillery in Isla and it's translated to uh, Great Grief or Sea Rock Bomar. Ooh. Mm-hmm. It was started in uh, 1779 by John Simpson and then was bought out by Glaswegian twins James and William Mutter, who expanded the distillery in 37, 1837, that is. Um, and their uh, kind of greatest um, inclusion to the distillery is actually creating a lade to divert fresh water from the River Lagan to their distillery. Um, and they say that the River Lagan and other waters in Isla are some of the best kind of compound and molecular structures water to create really smooth whiskey. Hmm. Same reason why everyone in Kentucky likes to talk about their limestone, right? Yep, For right. Instance, kind of giving it more clarity and uh, delicious flavor. reason why flavor. if you're a vodka nerd, you should drink Rika and save a bunch of money Rika. because it's literally the Icelandic water that has a huge part in making that so very, very good. So Baumar um, uh, is still open today. It was closed between 1940 and 1943 because the Royal Air Force actually commandeered the distillery and used it as an operating uh, station for three squadrons during that, that time. An air quotes operating station. Operating station. <laughs> Maybe Real they drank the whiskey and just hung out. Maybe they didn't. I know. <laughs> guys, guys, guys. We got to commandeer something. I know just the place. What about this guy? Yeah. yeah. Let's get, we'll, we'll stay there. We'll totally do some work. We'll do work like 42% of the time. I mean, and then we'll drink some stuff. They did actually fly airplanes out of it, so they must have at least done that. No, I know. <laughs> but I don't feel like Scotland. Not disparaging very, the RAF right now. Scotland didn't have a very big part in World War II, did they? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Scotland's still did part they? of the British Empire. Yeah. Well, that's true. Yeah. 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 Ireland so. had less of a play, if that's. Maybe what you're yeah, talking about. Could be. Yeah. Although they did have I'm no play. history major. I just like to drink scotch. Fair. Continue, Miss Mims. No, yeah, no big deal. So um I will say that um you, you just, you, you any Scots person who just listened to this like, oh, fuck we didn't. <laughs> For real, they're like, they're like, fuck this kid. <laughs> um, so uh Queen Elizabeth II did make her first official visit to Isla to their distillery in nineteen eighty. She's presented with her own cast. Took her long enough for the visit. She didn't get out much. She's been. She's she actually got out a lot. She just time. had like her she what, like smoke that platinum much. or diamond. What is it called? What's the word for that? Booms. What are you trying to say, Mark? When they celebrate her being queen for oh, like, like a centenary. Yeah, yeah. But she just had her like platinum or diamond one. I was like, good lord. Yeah, and they I celebrated it by pumping her full of more alien technology <laughs> to keep her. Oh, alive for longer. Yo, it's because she drinks scotch that she's alive this long time. Well, actually, daily nips. What she did at this one. That's no, most it's preserved uh, DNA from bog babies. <laughs> she's getting from, Yeah, like what do you think they use those bog people for? I live yeah, forever. We'll Moral of the story, though, is she said that Camilla can, in fact, be a uh, queen when she dies. Oh. In the next so 40 years. <laughs> Charles is going to die. Before yeah. Elizabeth yeah. Dies. Yeah. My body might die, but my living brain will continue to reign. <laughs> it's going to be very Futurama, the, the, the preserved head thing. You know, yeah. In a jar. <laughs> to get back to what I was saying, just to finish it off, boys, is um, that the cask that she was gifted, all the bottles were sold and uh, profits for those were given to local charities. And that Morrison, uh, Morrison Bowmore Distillers which is their official title, is currently owned by Beam Suntory as of 2014. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's really, really nice. In 1957, they also released the oldest ever uh, Isla single malt um, 
and it was in the number one matured maturing vaults for 54 years and only 12 bottles exist yeah 55 55 years a fun fact so it'd be yeah because they released it's in 2012 yeah yeah and i feel like any time boom, booms that you have fun fact in the script before you say you have to be like fun fact so jonathan gold can be like bah, bah. oh should <sighs> do it before the fact not after the fact yeah okay. well either way as long as Jonathan Goldblitz, fun fact. I would just put my arms up like this. Yeah, just, just, just watch your hands because I'm in the middle. And if he starts doing it, you start doing it. That's it. We'll both just smack, smack excuse me, John Foley in the face. Yeah. And then it'll be it. Fun fact. Yeah, I'll sweep. Yeah. Screw this. Sweep the leg. Sweep the leg. One of the things I like. It's about our bag. I'm leaving. One of the things I like the most about Baltimore is it has, um, it does have the smoke and it has like a robust kind of uh, maltiness. But it also has honey, and I in particular taste black currants out of it, um, which I find to be incredibly pleasurable. Yes, quite pleasurable. Yeah. It's a really different, stylistically different whiskey. It is. It yeah. is, yeah. Than Ardbeg. And you're left with a whole lot more sweetness and a lot more fruit and a lot yeah. more of the honey on the finish than you are with Ardbeg, where you, you, the smoke plays more back palate. The sherry involved with this in particular yeah. is it's, it's Very really cool. predominant and really, really nice. Delicious and nutritious. Mm -hmm. You guys want to talk about Brooklady? Brooklady. Yeah. yeah. Pronounced like that, Brooklady, but spelled wholly differently <laughs> yes. uh, in my mind as far as understanding the English language. Brooklady. Yeah. <laughs> B R U I C H L A D D I C H. Brooklady. Brooklady. It translates to uh, the shore bank or the. Um, the Bank of the Shore, actually, the same thing, uh, from Scots Gaelic. That place was, over there by the water? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was founded in 1881 by brothers William, John, and Robert Harvey, alongside their sister Mary, although she was not listed in documentation. Um, oh, that's rude. The family had inherited their father's Yorker and Dundas Hill distilleries in Glasgow. So eventually, two of the brothers will kind of like hit those two distilleries, and the brother that stays behind, so to speak, is William. Um, he does stay on Isla, becomes a master distiller, and his children uh, follow up with ownership and operations. Um, one of the major tools of their success was the invention of the flat bottom steamboat, uh, which was called the Glasgow Puffer. Oh, nice. <laughs> it was a bulky item, um, but it allowed a lot of their uh, grain and stuff to be sent from the West Coast and more e easily transportable to Isla, where they would kind of process it. So they didn't grow any of the grain on the island for Brooklady, at least initially. And uh, it becomes more economically viable to do this. So you're sending your grain from Inverness um, via the Caledonian Canal to the distillery to be further produced. Um, well, Father, how we get our bulk babies to the other side of the <laughs> Just put in the puffer. <laughs> we left Mary behind. She'll check it in. That's going to make such an interesting Netflix drama later on, you guys. Just saying. It's like, but I'm not dead yet. Ah, you will be in a minute. <laughs> Uh, the distillery did have a period of time where it was closed, refurbished, open, closed again, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it was closed and eventually passed hand to private investors Mark Rainier and Simon Coughlin. Um, eventually, they were bought out by White and McKay in 2000 and initially purchased privately, privately excuse me, but now that team operates under Remy Quantrill. Remy Quantrill. Mm -hmm. And White and McKay now focuses on um, Jura yeah. and Dalmar. Should be oh, noted, yeah. too, they're... they're Probably their most popular expression, the classic Lottie. Yeah. Has this fun, goofy bottle. Turquoise bottle. Mm -hmm. I love that color. On the camera, it looks kind of gray, but it is, in fact, turquoise, like yeah. light blue. And yeah, it's very distinctive on the shelf. Great marketing on their part, I think. Oh, yeah. 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 And it should also be noted that Puffer 
is still on the water. It is now a pleasure party puffer. And you can take pleasure party puffer uh, tours all around the I island. I thought that was like in Colorado. Now Detroit and uh, other I don't, places if, that allow if for... If that puffer is not rolling drunk people puffling. around that island in the summertime. <laughs> oh, I didn't think they were drunk. I thought they were smoking. Oh. oh. Well, oh. Sure, 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 sure. Layers. Yeah. All right. Ogres. Uh, classic Gladi is what you have in front of you. Yes. It's, they're unsmoked, unpeated. Yeah. Unpeated Isla. So it's a 10-year expression. Not um, all Isla whiskey is peated. Indeed. This one's crisp. Important, important takeaway. Crisp, gentle, lots of lemon and daffodil and creamy chocolate malted milkshake is what I get out of it. Yeah. And an unmalted Isla won't taste like, excuse me, an unpeated Isla won't taste like another unpeated whiskey from somewhere else. There is still a regionality to the flavor. Terrible. Yeah, which is what we speak about when we speak about Oh, booms on the script. I see it. What do you got? Fun fact. Fun, oh. fact. Fun fact. I have a lot of them in this one. I really like Isla. Um, Brooklady continues to operate in its original 1881 layout with a good percentage of the original Victorian Victorian era equipment still today. And for our market. Modernize a few things. That's amazing. Yeah. For our market, Brooklady also makes probably the pediest whiskey in oh. the world. Oh. The Octomore, which we'll do at the end. Because you don't want to you can't taste, taste anything else smoke. after you drink yeah. it. But we did talk about it being like 300 plus parts per million. I like how you looked at me. Like <laughs> <laughs> well, he thought you picked up right oh, there. I'm telling you, this I'm telling you not to drink more. it now. <laughs> we're going to drink it at the end. Fine. Because special things are things we wait for. Fine. Okay, Dad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he is the dad of the Ah. <laughs> All right. Alphabetically speaking, next would be up is Bunahaman. It is maybe the least uh, easily pronounceable for the average American yeah. because of the combination of lots of things, including the BH, which makes a V sound. A V sound, yes. And v U N N A H A B H A I N. Bunahaven. Bunahaven? Bunahaven. Bunahaven. The BH, the V thing is really the most. Bunahaven. Yeah. 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 It's a great story. Um, it is not unpeated, but its peat percentage really in this low. particular bottle is very low. Yeah. So it might it's be in the like, just expression. above 10 ppm range where you can notice it, but barely. Mm -hmm. And that's dessert whiskey to me right there. It's it so really malty. Yeah. Yeah. So like toffee and truffle and... Oh, oh what's oh, the word? Um, it's dark. Treacle. Treacle, yeah. I was hoping someone would bring yeah. up that word because it's a great word. It's a great <laughs> word. For <laughs> our... Call my next cat. For people who don't know what yeah. treacle is, boom, treacle. Throw, it, throw it down. What is treacle? Treacle is a delicious UK dessert. It's basically a tart, so you've got kind of like a shortbread-y crust um, on the bottom, and then it's a combination of uh, like golden syrup and basically just all this caramely goodness. Um, you can add things like hazelnuts. More often than not, you're actually getting like a biscuity combination mm. of cream, of like the creamy caramel treacle insides. Also has like a crunchy biscuity texture. It's lovely. I would mm -hmm. I want one of those. Yeah, Where's Chase good. at? Get Chase on that. He's our local baker slash server slash yeah. bartender. Yeah. What's his company? Chase Bakes or something like that? <sighs> we Chase, should really know that. The Chase Bake. Uh, the Chase Bake. Chase we're going to fix that. The Chase Bake. We're going to fix it. I think it's a it. great name. No, I'm, I'm into it. We're going to fix it. You can definitely do cream puffs and cinnamon buns. And, and a hell of a focaccia. It's true. I did not try the focaccia. Oh, the focaccia he makes is so good. I believe it's it. so I good. It. Yeah. Anyhow. <laughs> but. Una Haven. Una Haven. 
It was established in 1881, much like Bricolati. Um, actually, this is the one that I know the least about, but I do adore it as a whiskey. Yeah, uh, do we? Well, we no kind of threw them in at the end. Yeah, we, did like, we didn't want to not mention them. Yeah, but we didn't do the full, the full research on them. No. Moral of the story is, is established what 1881. We said, mm -hmm. come in, try it. It's fantastic. It's beautiful stuff. If you want a dessert, Isla Scotch, this is the one. It's a really good one for cheese too. It's also yes. a great one to introduce to people uh, if they're wanting to dip their toe into scotch mm -hmm. if they're already a bourbon drinker. Yeah, yeah. All right, so we've got little three on more. Them. We'll go on to Kaula. And it is pronounced Kaul Isla, even though I said that Isla, it's Isla. Really? I've always said Isla, but it's Isla, huh? Well, because it's spelled differently than Isla. Yeah. Right? There's no Y. Right. So, I was, yeah, I was pronouncing Kaula. Kaula. Yeah. That's what I got. Yeah. Tell them about the video on YouTube. People can check it out. Oh, we mentioned this before. Yeah. <laughs> but, okay. So if you haven't, if you haven't heard us mention this before, uh, I'm not sure who... Who knows him from where, but Brian Cox has been a pretty great actor for a long time. He was in Deadwood. He was in Super, super Troopers. <laughs> yeah, he gets super hammered on Johnny Walker and pisses on a police car in, in Super Troopers. He's in the uh, the show Succession, which I know is a big King it's Lear big now, uh, riff. Yeah. yeah, it's supposed to be really great. And it was either Esquire or GQ. I really should know this because as many times as I tell people about it, but they commissioned him to do a series of three-second videos on YouTube where he's, it's great. He looks very smug and very confident and he's got a smoking jacket and he's just sitting there like a proper Scotsman in front of a fire and each video is about three seconds long and he just correctly pronounces every single distillery <laughs> yeah. in Scotland, which is pretty useful if you want to sound like you know what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> also, it's it's something I want service staff usually to, to uh, watch. Yeah. Because I mean, they will help you. You're looking at me because I often mispronounce things. No, I'm looking at you because you're the pronunciation <laughs> guru here um, also. Yeah. Like you're, you're the one who... Which is it? Because like I know Glenmo is a different pronunciation than I am used to because I learned it the wrong way. Which yeah. is Glenmorangi, but it's Glenmorangi. Morangi, yeah. Like you're saying the word orange. Morangi. And I, I, I clarified that with David Blackmore when I talked to him. No, I believe you. I was just saying. Yeah. I, just, I learned Cali it wrong the first time, so that's the one that I'm the most. Yeah. Oban is the one that a lot of people pronounce Oban. incorrectly. They say Oban. They say Oban, but it's Oban. That's a Midwest. Well, Oban, buddy. Oban, Oban, Oban. That's yeah. we'll a good song. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So to continue with Kaul Ayla, um, it's translated from Gaelic to uh, uh, the sound of Isla. So it's not sound like phonetic. It's sound as in like Puget sound. So it's the body of water that stretches between the distillery itself and then actually the Isle of Jura. Um, it was originally started in 1846 by Glaswegian businessman Hector, Hector Henderson, excuse me. Hector. Hector Good old Henderson. And in uh, 18, or, yeah, 1854, Norman Buchanan, who was the owner of the Jura Distilleries, also purchased Carilla. Uh Eventually, it makes it into the hands of the National Distillers Limited in 1927. Um, you use the word consortium, which I think is great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is a consortium. Yeah. National Distillers Limited eventually goes on to be uh, Diageo. So the, yep. the, the whiskey giant, really? uh, spirits giant. If you like. I didn't know that either. Yeah. Diageo and they owned uh, uh, Weller at one point. They owned Weller. Interesting. Yeah. It's just a Weller. Um, characteristically lighter in style than most Islas, uh, in my opinion. It has a beautiful peaty, floral, and peppery note. And it is one of Diageo's classic single malt releases. Not so, always that easy to find. No. So no, buy it no. if you see it. Mm -hmm. And about 95% of what they make is actually sent to be blended into um, Johnny Walker Black Label. Yeah. 
And R&R alum and current cheesemonger down the road at the Cheese Lady in Fenton, Charlotte Ruffini, yeah. I know loves this She's a big recipe. fan. Yeah, she yeah. is. She's a big, big fan. So she if you love Lottie, you love her cheese products, review. and you want to get her She gift. did the whiskey review, I think, on Give this one with me. And she also did, we did one on um, Kleinlish. Because she's did, a huge Kleinlish fan. Um, Juvenile. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we do have about, yeah. we do have an, an older YouTube channel with some whiskey reviews on it. If you want to try, and yeah, dig they, through YouTube to find they that, they became this. Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, that was the first version of it's baby this. Yeah, because this and this is honestly my more preferred way to do it because we have a longer span other than just like ten minutes to talk about yeah. the product. You know, right. it's, it's more in depth and. So I'm glad we're doing this instead. Oh, nice. look at all the good videos. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we've got two through, two more, excuse me, to get through. Uh, I'm going to try and go quick because I know that we've been talking for a while. And two that really get that get mentioned together. They do need to all get mentioned the time. together. Yes. Well, and by guests too. They have too. to. They, yeah. Yeah. And there's a fun fact about that. That'll be when I start talking about Lagavul and So Lafroy. It's the result of the old, old Isla Mud Wrestling competition yeah. over between these two distilleries. Yeah. Right? Are you just remembering your dreams or actual facts? <laughs> you know, if you are dreaming, about Island Mud if you are dreaming well enough, that dream is as much a reality as your daily reality. True enough. Well spoken. <laughs> well, already then. It's true. <laughs> so we did cover a good amount of Lefroig's history when we talked about Bessie Williamson's reign during the Women of Whiskey episode five. Um, but just to recap some of their history, uh, Lefroig translates to the hollow of Broad Bay. Um, it was started in 1815 by brothers Donald and Alexander Johnston uh, and would stay in the Johnston family for about 139 years until Ian Hunter, a nephew of an original, uh, <laughs> uh, gives, the, gives the distillery over to Bessie Williamson. So um, currently it is owned by Fortune Brands and is divested, uh, which is one of the brands, excuse me, divested by Pernod Ricard and um, is also under Centauri Beam as of 2014 because Beam bought out mm -hmm. Pernod Ricard. Uh, fun fact, Lefroy is has a very distinct coat of arms on every bottle. It is the crest of the ostrich feathers, which have the motto, which has the motto Ich Dien. It was given um, to His Royal Highness Prince Charles, um, not him specifically. It was given to the Prince of Wales during the Battle of Cressy when um, John of Luxembourg, the King of Bohemia, died, and at the time he was battling with a tutor so we gave the crest to him and now it's held by uh the prince of wales who's currently who is currently charles yeah charles. yes <laughs> good old chuck visited the distillery in 1994 giving them their royal warrant for producing uh Camilla the waited in the car with, so it was okay for her to come out <laughs> yeah. with the insignia and motto um he visited the she was distillery. already there looking around the barrel <laughs> yeah he visited the distillery again in 2008 Camille's still in the car during his 60th birthday oh. celebrations they got bagels later <laughs> you think in Isla they got bagels later? They flew them over from Montreal. I would at least guess a sausage roll before the bagel. Mm, haggis, maybe? <sighs> For breakfast? It's pretty traditional. Sure. God, I love if haggis. There's a birthday, Me too. We so, need to do that Robert Burns dinner again. Yes. We will someday. We need a we need a, a pop-up chef, though. Yeah. We know. Because I'm not making haggis. No, 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 no. I will. But I have to do the puppet show. Yeah, you're you're yeah, you're, committed. The, you're, you're the puppet master. I am the producer. Which is really right. so on point. Lefroy continues to produce a very traditional style of scotch. Um my, like the rest my of my wife's Isla. favorite single malt. Yes. And to me, that has the most medicinal or iodine style of peat smoke yeah. uh, than any other I love. Yeah, their quarter cask yeah. is tremendous. Yeah. 
quarter cast is fantastic because of course that means they've got less surface area, Split. more surface yeah. area per whiskey. Yes. Because the, bottom, the barrels are smaller. And so you get like a really nice, it tastes a lot older than it is, for instance. Extra wood. It's very, very And this rounded. is like, on the back end, there's like almost this kind of like ashy kind of quality, but in a very pleasant way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So Lagavulin, uh, a kind of kind of sister distillery, not really though, but I'll elaborate. Right down the road. Yeah. It's, so it translates roughly to the mill of the valley. It's only two miles away from Lafroy. Yeah. And Ardbeg um, again is only about. Only a couple more miles. They're all like yes. in a span of like yeah. a five Really close area. to each other. Yeah. 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 It's one island yeah. for all these distilleries. So. Well, and it's three, like 3,000 people who live on the That's island. That's true. It's yes. a tiny island. Yeah. Let's make it 3,003. Um, well, plus and so 3,006. Is that the number? Yeah. Next, next Patriot Collective. <laughs> yeah. I guess we'll bring Cindy we'll and John We'll work it out. We'll work it out. At least 10. Um, collective. So Consortium. It, <laughs> it gained a lot of popularity in more recent years due to the Parks and Rec character played by Nick Offerman. Parks uh, and Rec. Swanson. Park, okay. it, should, it should be mentioned that Parks and Rec has been massively influential yeah. in terms of getting a little bit of scotch awareness to a younger generation. Yes. It's been a big, big deal. It seems like it wouldn't be that much, but it's quite a bit. But it's so funny yeah. because you get all these people who are like, oh, I want to try some scotch because I watch Parks and Rec. I'm like, are you sure this is the scotch you are want you to try? Yeah. Are you yeah. sure and this you is the from, They're like, no, I like it. Yeah, so you don't really like it, do you? I do woodwork. Well, and, and so much so that they literally have Lagavulin made an Offerman edition, which I think is what, an 11 years? He's an owner now. The yeah. release he owns, the... he owns uh, stock. He is a partial owner, right. yeah. You get it. You go. Well, pour it then. For get yourself. that Belgian waffle out of my face. Oh, I swear <laughs> to God, I'll show you my waffle. What? Lagavulin 11 year Offerman edition is what you're talking about. Yeah. It was released in 2019. Yes. He actually also had another one uh, released just Guinness. this last year, the Guinness Cask mm -hmm. edition. And interestingly, um, Booms, you put up the, the, yeah. the eight year, which is not their normal. Like no, main no, I just, I like it as well. There's a thing that's happening a little bit. We've seen it with Wee Beastie and Ardbeg. We've seen it with Lagavulin. I think it started with non-age statement whiskeys where you could get a lot of creativity by blending together things and not being a slave to an, an age statement so you could really make the whiskey that you wanted. But now you're also making whiskey from younger barrels than you ever would have. Right. So you see these right. barrels that are sub 10 years and these releases are really interesting because they're, yeah. they're a little bit more um, – Unhinged and yeah, they, they got a little bit more grit to them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. yeah. I kind of like that. I do too. I mean, it's it's kind of a raw and burly expression of the of the malt. Yeah, and, and it process. would be effectively an average in age, at least between the eight and the sixteen year. I sure, mean, not quite a year off, but still close enough. And um, yeah, I mean, in the in Parks and Rec, they often refer to alcohol as jiggle juice. So yeah. I would be very happy to try that smoky jiggle juice if I ever yeah. get my hands on it. Be yeah, one of my favorite um, moments is where um, uh, Leslie locks uh, Ron in his. She gives him the gift oh, of okay. a of a door that will only unlock from the inside. Yes, yes. A yes. bottle of Lagavulin, <laughs> delivery barbecue, yeah. and. Uh, Kwai. It's Bridge Over the River Quiet and, and Dirty Dozen. Yes. Ah. So he's got two films. He can drink as much whiskey as he wants, and she's right. arranged for a ride home for him. I hear that. Okay, next year on your birthday, this is what we're doing. For Mark me? and I are going to lock you in the office. Yeah. Give you a couple bottles you can have for free. Although, if he's so in the we're office. We're going to put that TV downstairs. It wouldn't need to be the office. Okay. Well, where do you want to be locked in at? The tiki. We'll put you out in the tiki hut. <laughs> I, I, was, I was born in February, <laughs> but I would love to try it. Well, the space heater what should I watch yeah. out there? Um, the movie Alive and The Thing. <laughs> <laughs> we'll pick him up in three hours. We'll see if he's dead. See if he's frozen <laughs> or not. The barbecue got so cold. But I had oh, to no. keep eating. <laughs> we'll put it in a cold 
This on the nose, though, this lagavulin is literally so buttery. Yeah, I think. yeah, it's really nice. Like it's, it's like you can popcorn. almost yeah, popcorn, like Butter actual popcorn, popcorn yeah. yeah. Or specifically a popcorn jelly bean, which I never liked, but I do like the smell of. But you can almost like thing. feel like the yeah. the esters and the like going from your nostril into your like palate and just coating it so yeah. without even tasting it. Oh yeah, it's phenomenal. My daughter will get visibly upset at the thought of a popcorn jelly bean. Oh no, these things are terrible. Have you given her like Birdie Bots every flavored beans yet? <laughs> there's a booger yeah. flavored one. Yeah, there is. I know. <laughs> there's like booger. There's dirt. There's popcorn. There's <laughs> like shut it. Right. Vomit. No, I like curry powder. Um, so legal distilling started at Lagavulin in 1816 by John Johnston and Archibald Campbell Brooks. John Johnston, but everyone here calls me Vicky. <laughs> <laughs> but you might have recognized the name Johnston because the Johnston brothers also bought Laphroaig. Johnston! Originally, mm -hmm. initially. Yeah. yeah. So there's there's kind of combination overlap. there, right? Overlap. Um Let's see. And then uh, originally it was two distilleries, which were confounded into one distillery over time. Um, it grew in popularity uh, predominantly in 1862 when the blender and distiller there, John Logan Mackey, uh, and his nephew, Peter J. Mackey, who later becomes knighted, so Sir Peter, um, became predominant figures. They also co-founded the Kragalaki distillery. Mackey is a excellent whiskey. Yes, it is. As a master distiller... Mackey is also a name, family name that is part of Laphroaig. So you have master distillers from that same family in both distilleries. Real quick before we get off of the Craigalahi, we carry what the 17 and the 21, Three. 23. 23. Yeah. yeah, yeah, phenomenal whiskey. If you want to try some, yeah, yeah. it was a little bit pricier, but really awesome. Good Highlands, yeah. So in uh, 1908, Peter Mackey opened another distillery on the site um, called that he called Malt Mill, an attempt to produce whiskey that was literally the exact same style as Laphroaig. Um, and he was never able to produce them. And it had a combination of things to do, uh, combination of things. One, they did try to match the phenol parts vermilion, which we mentioned earlier. They did, but the grain sources were different. The water sources were different. The geographic like height of the two distilleries were even different, even though they were two miles away. And so they were never able to produce the same exact style of whiskey. Um, although a lot of people do taste similar correlations. This is back the in two. the scotch it's like par, in general par, par. too. Like Every little thing, every little point in the process matters. Yeah. yeah. So again, we're seeing like the the Im, is impartation a word? I don't know, but the effect of terroir, right? Yeah. Because even though they're two miles away, how it's imparted. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And and the fact that you are using spent barrels and you are using um, a regular oak barrel, you don't have control over the manipulation of the char and of the newly charred right. barrel, yeah. so you can't cover anything with that. Yep. You yeah. just have to yeah. make the whiskey. Because, again, if you're unaware, Scotch, they're buying spent bourbon barrels, Correct. right? Yes. Yeah. So they, they can't. Typically. Typically, yeah. So they're not. They're they wouldn't not, have been back in the day. They're not no. dictating the char it's on the barrel or what type of wood the barrel is right. made out of, anything right. like that. So it's all in the grain and the water and the peat. And Listen, the there's nothing against bourbon. Bourbon taters can get really mad at me. There's nothing against you bourbon. Bourbon taters? Taters. That's what I heard. <laughs> Yeah. You're just a bourbon tater. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you should call them bourbon or knobs. Regular bourbon. Oh, no. Oh! So anyway, there's nothing wrong Trade with one. bourbon. However, the reason you can put out a four-year-old bourbon and have it still taste good is because you've got very sweet grain and a very, a very specific barrel application process that plays to the sweetness of the grain that creates very, very pleasing sweet flavors right away. And that can cover a lot of things. Immaturity of distillate, um, certain flaws that are going along in the age in the aging process you can do a lot of things 
that you can't do in Scotland. And I think a lot of what the whiskey, the raw whiskey is, is hidden by that process and manipulated by it. And that's good because that's what people like, mm. but it's not that way in this. And you really taste what it is. Yeah, it absolutely. Minute differences, even just, they, they have to have two different pot stills, for instance, right? Yes. So they can have the exact same style of pot still, but one technical flaw or difference between those two stills can create a huge range of difference in yeah. esters. Mm -hmm. If there's even like a minute crack in the still yeah. or anything like that. Or yeah. like yeah. more welding material was used on this one versus that one. So it actually creates a slightly higher heat than yeah. another one. Yep. You know, mm -hmm. weird little differences. And again, not to disparage anything that's being done in Kentucky or otherwise, but that the delicateness of that process and the resultant liquid is why I will always be so attracted to scotch. Mm -hmm. Fair. Yeah. And then to round out the Lagavulin distillery history, um, they did close during World War II. And then again in 1951, when there was a massive fire that broke out, they actually now exclusively use maltings from um, Port Ellen, which we talked about earlier, because their malting floors have just ran through so much uh, destruction yeah. that they can't do it anymore. Yeah. And it's owned by Diageo, so so it's Port Ellen at this point, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, combine, waste not, long not. Yes. Yeah. Monopolies, control. Monopolies, consortium, Suppression. all that stuff. Lapsing Sushong. I forgot about this in my notes. That it's tea, tea. That tea? Yep. Oh, like 50% of so the So my roommate in college, my roommate it's in college had, had Lapsang Sushong black tea. And that, I would grab it from him every now and then because I think he had it. Because he thought it was really cool to have it. Where does but it then he never, from, It's yeah. Chinese. It's Chinese, yeah. And then he okay. never It'd be drank like the equivalent it. Of popularity of matcha these days. Oh my it god, was, it was It got huge. really highly popular. It was huge. What is it called? Lapsang. Lapsang Sutrang. Yeah. So my roommate had it. I think he thought it was really cool to be a guy who had it, but I never saw him drink any of it. So eventually, I started to steal he was just some that of it. Kind of guy. <laughs> in a, in some ways, yes. Yeah. Um, and I would I would grab it and steep it. And sometimes make it. And I think because I started to really learn how to like it. Sure. Because I already liked Earl Grey. And I was like, well, I'm yeah. going to learn how to like this too. Um, and it was weird at first, but I, I became very fond of it. And I think that was actually educational in in learning how to like spirits. Scotch in particular. In particular. See, now yeah. I want to try this tea so I can it's good, dude. Yeah, make it's that really correlation good. between the tea and Lockville. It's good. Yeah. You should get some. Well, where do I get it at? Ann Arbor well, Spice Merchants probably at this point, because I think Crazy Wisdom is... Rest in peace. <laughs> a lot of business. Yeah. yeah. Even witchcraft can't save can't save some businesses, unfortunately. So let's um circle back around to could, uh, Brook Lottie real quick. Because yeah. um, we need to drink some Octomore. Oh. And like John said, this is the biggest and baddest of boys in the peated Scotch world. I'm gonna I would have say. some peaty burps tomorrow, is what I'm yes. saying. Yeah. yeah. You will sweat this one out in the shower, that's for sure. <laughs> this stuff uh, is great. It's it's aggressive, and I think even on the so we've got uh, we've got phenol parts per million. <laughs> Whoops! At uh, what do we got here? Yeah, they put the PPM on the label. Tell me, it's on there. It's somewhere. One hundred and ninety four. One hundred ninety four. One hundred and twenty three proof. So not the highest PPM that they have produced. We've seen it in the three hundreds. Yeah. And I just want you guys to know, as you're pouring your own drams, um, we do also have a cocktail to drink after this. Well, I'm so. having only the tiniest bit. <laughs> yeah, I also have to work after this. Yeah. Booms, Booms is the real trooper. She is the only one that has to work after these podcasts. And we appreciate her for doing it. Happy Tuesday, y'all. Yeah. Yeah. I like Tuesdays. It's industry night, and I also get the coolest regulars. So. It's true. Yeah, Tuesdays, okay. industry night. If you're in the mm -hmm. restaurant industry, 20% uh, off. Your dad. Cocktails. Cocktails. Yes. Yeah. yeah. 
Not drams because we have a whiskey. We have whiskey Wednesday for. We have for we have a different Wednesday day for Wednesday. that. Yeah. 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 Well, let's try it, guys. Let's, let's oh, taste this cheers. fine Octomore. I know it's. It jumps right up your nose, like does. right away. Yeah. It's also high gravity, so it it smells a lot colder. Does that sound weird? It no. smells colder is is an apt assessment, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when you there's there's a, a really pleasing, creamy kind of rich sweetness. Yeah. Like a real like like bready pastry sweetness right on the on the beginning of it. Sure. Or yeah, it, I can see that. You know how like after dinner mints have like a um like that pastel style after dinner yeah. has that like creamy quality to yeah. it, but also chilling. Sure. I get mint a lot out of this. That's a um, good assessment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is phenomenal. Lovely. Ooh. My teeth taste milky though now. <laughs> But my number one recommendation with this whiskey is don't drink it after you do a barrel-proof tasting with Eddie Russell. Is that what you did? No. No? No, we don't do that? No, no, no. In Ann Arbor, don't do it. Don't do it. No, no, no. We were at a... (laughs) What was that? It messed you up so much. I can't even remember. You don't even remember what we did. I don't even remember. We went to a... No, we went to a little book. Vert- oh, I definitely. We went cried. to a little book vertical with Freddie. That's no. what it was, Freddie. No, thank you. Yes. Yeah. And then we got back here. Oh my god! All I remember is I bought like three pours of this for after. me and Robert. Yeah, and my, yeah, and you, yeah. Uh, that's. It was rough, then but it had, was a great time. Yeah, I had a fantastic evening. <laughs> then he had a mouthful of cookies. Yum. Oh. But like Cookie Monster style mouthful. Of cookies? No, he like couldn't talk. <laughs> no, 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 no. I wish you did. Yeah. <laughs> oh well. So, to kind of round out this episode, we're going to do another cocktail demo. Yes, please. We are. Um, Booms. Is this our longest episode? Yes, I was just about to say that, too. This is probably the longest episode we've ever Where done. Where are we at? With the kind of vamping we did beforehand, we're probably at about like an hour and ten minutes. Fun. All right, let's do a cocktail so, and let's send so them on their way. About ten yes, minutes. Yes, so then, uh, <laughs> Listen, it's it. February. What, what else do you have to do? For real. Just, you know, listen to Barbara. This is going to happen we after. have a good time. This is going to um, uh Air after the Super Bowl, even. It will, yes. So, I mean, there's nothing more for you to look forward to except for the the eventual reprieve in spring of whatever existential. Um, I don't know. Eventuality. Where are you going with this? I'm just saying that in winter, it's really hard, easy to get into your head, and it's very, very difficult to come out of it. So, if we can you know, provide an fair. hour's that's worth fair. of reprieve from all the nonsense, yes. Or even 45 minutes, and then you got bored and turned us off. I'll give you all the reprieve. I just um, realized I forgot did... to get you a hot yeah, I need a strainer. strainer. <laughs> so uh, for this episode, for the Isla Scotch episode, we're making a smoky martini. You said, John, you had found another name. So, no, I didn't. So like, the interesting thing about Isla Scotch is that it does. it's almost devoid of signature cocktails that really feature the whiskey. Thank almost you. always when it's used in a cocktail, it's used as an accent flavor, which makes sense because if you're going to put it into a drink that anybody other than an Isla Scotch drinker is going to want to consume, you have to have it be an accent. Otherwise, it's too much and then you might turn off the drinker. So this really imply, imparting, excuse me, smoking, like maybe some malt. Yeah. So there's this cocktail called the Smoky Martini, which at first I kind of didn't like the name. And then as I thought about it as we were sitting here, I actually do. I dislike things that are called such and such martini. Chocolate martini, martini. raspberry martini, yeah. Because to me, the definition of a martini is gin, vermouth, and maybe orange bitters and whatever garnish you use, or vodka and vermouth and whatever garnish you use. A martini is a specific type of drink, not just something served in in stemware. But I feel like this is a really, really honest 
version of a martini. It is still a martini. You're just using scotch along with gin yeah. and vermouth, mm -hmm. and in our case, orange bitters. Yeah. And you're using Isla scotch as a way to impart herbal, well, not herbal, earthy smokiness yes. to all the botanicals, which is a natural fit. So it's, uh, and, and vermouth is very botanical as well. Yeah, and you can find things, a lot of the same botanicals of gin in Isla scotches because mm -hmm. it's very earthy. So and in vermouth. Like, Lavender and heather and yeah, and all these things will naturally work together. Mm -hmm. John, yeah. do you want to give them the uh, recipe and the build? The build, uh, the recipe. Uh, what we did was we did two and a half ounces of gin, and what'd you use? I used um, Tanqueray. Tanqueray. <laughs> yep. This yes, is sir. how we Tanqueray, and then uh, we used <laughs> three quarters of an ounce. You don't like the zest in there. I don't like it in there. I like it zesting on top and not actually Correct. in there. Yeah. And then we use three quarters of an ounce of uh, Ardbeg 10 mm -hmm. and a half ounce of Dolan dry vermouth, which is a French dry vermouth, and two dashes of orange bitters, Angostura orange bitters. Right. And it's stirred. So like any drink that's all spirit, you add it to a tin or a glass, stir it well with ice for about 20, 25 seconds, and then strain it. And as I was doing it, I think it cannot be understated that like with a cocktail like this, don't feel like you're stirring it too much. Like you want to get it really chilled and like not too diluted. Yeah. So but temperature is a temperature is yeah. a big cold factor. Yeah. 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 Remember, a martini needs to be a martini should be an extremely small, extremely potent cocktail. Yes. A martini is not the whole album. It's the banger single. It's meant <laughs> to be consumed in about ten or fifteen minutes. You're not supposed to drink them all all night long. It's most. It's meant to be like clean, strong. And cold and refreshing. Yeah. Not a ballad, more a banger. Yeah. yeah. And so as we're sipping on this, I do want to say uh, thank you again, right, yeah. to Biologic Media yeah. for producing this for us and and all the fun stuff that Jonathan Cole does for us oh, so good. on the podcast. That's good. Oh yeah, it is. That's real good. It's real Because the smoke is yeah. very light, but it uh -huh. makes all the difference. It reinforces yeah. everything else. Yeah. Someone asked me the other day, "What do you add to your martini as a bartender to like make it a little interesting?" I usually do chartreuse. So this one might be sure. Yeah. Add an herbal yeah, flavor. Exactly. But yeah. Start doing this. I'm gonna start doing this too. Yeah. yeah. And uh, do be sure to check us out on all of our social medias: Instagram, we're Relief and Resource; Facebook, The Relief and Resource Co.; Twitter, Relief underscore. Resources and well. join us next time for episode number 20. Episode number 20. Yeah. Do you remember what yeah. 20 is going to be? I don't remember what it's 20 is going to be. I don't remember. We drank a lot of scotch today. Well, no, but we, we made the list forever. <laughs> yeah, we did. We did. But I still don't recall. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank so you, everybody. With us next time. Thank yeah. you, everybody, for joining us. <laughs> yes. Huzzah. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Sancha. Prost. Nostrovia. Goodbye. <laughs>